good morning, everyone. <laughs> Anybody glad to be here? Man, it is good to see you. We're so glad you're with us this morning. And uh, also, you know, not only do we have people here in this room, but we have people joining us in our online campus every single week in cities and homes around the world. Today we have, they only give me a small list of all the people. And today we have just on our screen, we have Los Angeles area, we have Colorado, Missouri, Washington. We've had Czech Republic. We have, can we give a hand to all of our online campus that are joining us today? We're so glad you're with us. Man, I'm excited this morning as we start a brand new series called The Kingdom. Um, but before we do, I like to start with something funny. And how many have ever received or seen those memes on, the, on your phone, right? I, I found a meme that was sent to me this week, and it was as though someone was talking to Jesus and Jesus was responding. Now, let me just say, this isn't in the Bible exactly. This is just a funny thing. So Jesus is sitting at the table. So, so the man asked Jesus... Jesus, how do you want your steak? So I said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Come on, right? Anybody, let me ask this question. Anybody like steak? Come on, do we have any steak eaters out there? How many like it well done? How many are the medium rare? How many are there It's still saying moo on your plate? We got any? All right. Well, today I, I hope that you're going to be able to take and partake of some food. I believe the Lord's got a little meat he's going to throw your way this morning. So I want you to open your heart. We started this new series this week called The Kingdom. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God throughout the summer. We're going to be looking at different parables that Jesus used to explain the kingdom. So I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read our theme verse. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or let's all read it together. Those of you joining us online, you can stand as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This will be the theme verse throughout the entire series. I want everyone to read it with me loud and strong. You ready? Come on, let me hear you. Ready? From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. But we know that Jesus, throughout his ministry, his emphasis was the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is near. And Lord, that promise is still true today. So I pray, open our hearts to receive your truth so the kingdom can grow, so we can walk in the authority of the kingdom. Whatever's hindering us from receiving right now, we ask that you'd remove the barriers and that we would hear your voice receive your word in Jesus name you connect with God just in your own way come on before we move on come on just connect with him maybe it's a whisper of prayer maybe it's a word of thanksgiving maybe it's just to be still and know that he's God oh Holy Spirit we sent you in the house today have your way bring your anointing set every captive free in Jesus name somebody say amen Amen. You may be seated. Jesus' theme was the kingdom's come. Now, the, the phrase the kingdom of God is used in the New Testament. There's another phrase that's also used, the kingdom of heaven. It's only found, the kingdom of heaven is only found in the book of Matthew. And those phrases, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, are interchangeable. So it really means the same thing. Basically, what it's saying is that the kingdom of God has come. Now, I don't have time this morning to talk about the attributes of a kingdom. I would like to do that. We'll get into that later on in the series. But what I want to do is I want to talk about Jesus 
as he used parables to explain the kingdom. And over the next several weeks, we're going to take different parables that Jesus shared where he compared the kingdom of God um, to um, a certain thing. A parable is something that brings a comparison. You set it alongside to bring clear understanding. So today we're going to look at the first parable that Jesus gives when he's talking about the kingdom. And I think this is the most important. I think, in fact, it unlocks the keys to the rest of the revelation of God's kingdom. So let's go to the parable he told in Matthew chapter 13. Let's begin. Matthew 13, verse 3 says this. Listen, Jesus says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and it choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then Jesus says this to his disciples. You're permitted to understand the secrets of the what? The kingdom of heaven, but others are not. You see, this passage, and then he goes on to explain the parable, and we're going to dive into that in a second. In this parable, when we begin to unlock what it really is saying, it's going to give us the secrets to begin to walk in the kingdom and to walk in productivity. How many want to produce the things that God has called you to produce? How many want to walk as, a, as an ambassador, as a citizen of the kingdom of God and fulfill his purposes in your life? Come on, somebody had to say amen. Maybe you're new and you're like, well, what does that mean, the kingdom? Well, we're going we're gonna to break it down over the next several weeks. But I want to give you the big idea that I think this passage is trying to tell us if we're going to unlock the secrets of the kingdom. Here's the big thought for the weekend. Really? I want you to write this down. You ready? The kingdom comes to a receptive heart. The kingdom of God, it comes to a receptive heart. When Jesus defines and explains the parable, let's read what he has to say, and it'll, it'll show you a little bit about this. Matthew 13, 18, Jesus says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the, plant, or the, the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their what? In their what? That was okay. Come on, help me out. Where was it? In their hearts. The heart. You see, the kingdom is received through a receptive heart. Well, when we read the story, here's what we discover, that there's different levels of receptivity. Some of the seed fell in certain places where they didn't, it didn't really produce much. In fact, I want to make a big point because here's the big idea. Receptivity affects productivity. Receptivity affects productivity. If you want to be productive, if you want the kingdom to be in and growing and thriving in and through you, you've got to be receptive. And there were things that hindered that receptivity. Let me show you how um, farmers planted seeds in the field in the days of Jesus. It was called broadcast um, planting. And what they did is they had a pouch over their shoulder. I was going to bring it this morning, a pouch filled with seed. And what you would do is you would dip your hand into the seed, and as you walked, 
you learned how to do it, you would broadcast or you would spread the seed as you walked. Every few steps. Every few steps. And by doing that, you would spread the seed. But as the seed landed, some of it landed exactly where it needed to be. Some of it landed in other places. And we're going to talk about the things that hinder. If the soil has to be receptive, then what stops our heart from being receptive to the Word of God? I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be open and receptive. How many say amen to that? So let's find out what stops receptivity. Uh, have you ever noticed some people come to church and they get saved and then suddenly they're all in and they, they're growing and their family's growing and good things are happening and they're fulfilling their purpose and you can see growth in their life and then others come and they're always struggling and there's always problems and things are unraveling. Have you ever wondered why is one seem to be producing and the other isn't? Well, maybe it has to do with the receptivity of the soil to the seed. Y'all with me? So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn, according to Jesus, some things that hinder our productivity because we haven't become receptive. What's the first thing that hinders receptivity? Jesus says it this way, a hard heart. Everybody say, a hard heart. A hard heart. Let's look at what it says. We read a moment ago, it says the footpath, in other words, the seed falls on this hard area. The footpath represents those who hear and don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You see, in Israel in those days, um, everyone traveled, not obviously by cars, they didn't have cars back then, but they usually didn't travel by horse, only very, very wealthy people traveled by horses or carriage or things like that. So they walked everywhere they went. And so when you're walking somewhere, how many know if you can, you're going to take the shortest possible path, right? How many of you have to teach your kids to walk on the sidewalk rather than to run across the grass when you're going up to someone's house, right? How many are you talking about? Because our nature is to go the fastest way possible. So in Israel, everyone, because it was an agricultural land, were always walking through the fields to get to where they needed to be. So when farmers created their paths and created their harvests and, and the, the crops, they would often create paths in the middle and around where they were sowing so that people would come and walk on this little path that was created so they wouldn't walk and trample the crops. Show with me. But because the people walked on those paths all the time, the ground got hard. And there was no moisture on it, right? Because they weren't watering it, so it got hard. And because the sun hit it, it would bake and get hard. And so the seed, when it would plant, and you notice most seeds have a little part that, that protrudes, right? That part, as it grows, it digs down into the ground. But it couldn't penetrate the hardness of the pathway. And so when the farmer turned around and went to the next row, the birds who were waiting would swoop down and eat the seed because the seed couldn't get into the ground. I want to tell you, the devil wants to steal the seed of God's word in your heart. And many times we're not receptive and then therefore productive because we've got a heart that's been hardened. Maybe, maybe you're saying, well, how does the heart become hard? Well, I'll tell you one way is pride. Pride will harden your heart. Another one, perpetual unconfessed sin. Romans, what does it say? It says that he gave them over to a reprobate mind and a seared conscience and a hardened heart. When we just continue to sin and we don't confess of that sin or we don't repent or we don't go to God for help or we don't confess, what happens? Our hearts become so hardened that now we, are, we don't even have conviction anymore. Sin can harden our hearts. 
You know what else? Rebellion. We live in a country where it's the American way. Independence going to do it my way. And yet when it comes to God's way, sometimes we carry that culture into our relationship with God. And we're like, well, I'm going to do it my way. And we become rebellious and our hearts become hard. And you all still there saying that? How about this one? Familiarity. A pathway is a place that you always go, right? Because it's familiar. Maybe you've showed up today. Maybe you've been in churches. Not this church, but you've been at churches where you see people who come in with a familiar heart, a hardened heart, and their mentality is, well, what's the preacher going to teach me today? I've already read the word. Is that preacher going to give me anything? I never get fed at that church. And we become so familiar that we hardened our heart and we can't receive anything anymore. I'm doing a little better preaching than your amen Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> How about resentment? Resentment will harden our hearts. You became a Christian and then a problem came and the problem came and now you're bitter and angry at God because someone died or a relationship fell apart and, and well, if God really loved me, how could he let this happen? And now your heart's been hardened and the, the devil keeps coming and he keeps stealing the seed. Maybe you're asking yourself, do I have a hard heart? Well, let me say, if you're asking yourself the question, let me give you, I can't give you all the examples, but here's one example that might tell you if you have a hard heart. Let me give you a statement. If you don't have compassion like you should, maybe you have a hard heart. Remember the story of Jesus? Jesus was in the temple and it was the Sabbath day. Matthew chapter 3 verse 5. And there was a man who had a withered hand and he needed to be healed. Jesus saw his need and he had compassion on him. But the religious people, they realized, wait a minute, we don't like Jesus. We don't want Jesus growing in popularity and it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath because that's considered work. And so if he heals somebody, that gives us what we need to go after Jesus. And Jesus looked around at them and was deeply saddened by their what? Hard hearts. And then Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. And then they said, that's it. And they plotted to kill Jesus. If you don't have compassion like you should, maybe you have a hard heart. Or maybe, let me say it this way, if you care more about the rules than you care about people, maybe you've developed a hard heart. I remember when I was a worship pastor in Modesto, I was in charge of the choir, and I'm excited to have um, the O'Hares with us. They're back visiting this weekend. Give them a hand, Jen and Wes. Wes was with me back in the day when we had choir, and one of the rules of the choir was you have to be able to sing. sing. Yes, hello, thank you very much. I mean, think that's a good rule for the choir. So we would have interviews, and people would come, and they would sing. And let me just say, everybody thinks they can sing. How many know most people think they can sing? And it's usually better than they can. I mean, just watch American Idol, right? And you know people think they can sing. Well, this one girl comes along and she thinks she can sing, but she can't carry a tune in a bucket. I mean, she, she really can't sing. But then I realized that she is a baby Christian that just got saved. And her best friend is in the choir. And I realized that her best chance to get plugged into the church is to stay connected in the relationship that she has so I let her join the choir, and guess what? I have so many people that are mad at me. Pastor Jared, the rules, you're supposed to be able to sing. What good is a choir that can't sing? People are mad at me. People are angry, questioning my leadership because they got a hard heart, and suddenly they cared more about rules than they cared about people. If you want to figure out if your heart is hard, is, do you have compassion anymore? 
You see, it's interesting because it said those who hear the word and don't understand it. The word understand in the, in the Greek, here's what it means. It means to put together. Have you ever met people where they just can't seem to put it together? They can't see the bigger picture. They can't see the forest for the trees. They're so caught up in their bitterness. They're so caught up in their rules. They're so caught up in their stuff. And their heart has become so hardened now that they don't see the big picture anymore. And we begin to develop a hardened heart. You see, the devil comes and he steals the seed. The birds of the air come and steal the seed. How many know there's still birds today? I'll show you one. Some of you are like, oh no, pastor's going to get up all in my business now. He's going to talk about Twitter. Maybe the, the devil is stealing your seed. Maybe you're so focused on finding out what some person you used to know in high school that you didn't even like had for dinner that you're not even having a conversation with your own child during dinner. And the devil is now stealing the seed of the relationship that God... Somebody say amen. Some of you are going to tweet that right now. (laughs) The point I want to make is that the devil is trying to steal the seed. And he's robbing us of the beautiful things that come from the kingdom. But if our hearts have become hardened for whatever reason, we're missing out on the fruitfulness. We're missing out on the productivity of what God wants to bring in our life and the people around us. Maybe today you're not as productive. You're not growing. Things aren't thriving in your life the way they should because what's hindering your receptivity is a hard heart. Here's the second thing Jesus talks about is a shallow heart. Let's take a look at what it says now in Matthew 13. It says the seed, verse 20, the seed also falls on, what's the next thing? Rocky soil. Everybody say rocky soil. The seed falls on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You know, when I read this part that the second ground that isn't productive is rocky soil, immediately this is what comes to my mind. Come on, the Italian stallion, right? Right? I I think I heard someone in the back just went, yo, Adrian! You're like, Pastor Jerry, what does rocky have to do with rocky soil? Nothing, absolutely nothing at all. I just got the picture in my mind. When it's talking about rocky soil, it's not talking about the Italian stallion, and it's not even talking about what you would think it is, that as they're planting seeds, there's rocks and chunks of of hard rock in in the ground. What it's talking about is in Israel at that time, they would plant, you know, in an area where there was lots of soil, and what they didn't know is that in Israel, there were lots of places that had large plates and slabs of limestone. So they would have their their um, plow go through the field and it looked like everything was picked up because they would go and they would actually pick up any rocks that were there and remove them. So they thought everything was fine, but below the surface there was limestone. And so when the seed was planted, it would start to grow quickly. And here's why. Because the root would hit the, the rock and when it hit the rock, it forced the energy back up. So now the plant started to grow up and out. And so when the farmer looked at it, he's like, wow, I think this is going to be the best harvest I've ever had. I mean, these plants are bigger than they've ever been. I'm going to have way more fruit. But then the sun would come. 
And because they didn't have a deep root, as soon as the sun came, it would scorch them and they would be pulled up. You see, they had a superficial plant. It was a shallow heart. I think there's a lot of people that are in the church that hear the word, but their roots aren't very deep. It's kind of like, it reminds me of um, this idea of, you know, they're all in. Sunday comes, pastor preaches the message, and they're like, whoa, this was awesome, man. The message was, it was like, it was like he was reading my mail. So they go out and they post, I was at Higher Vision, and this was the notes and everything, and then Monday comes. And there's a problem. We just read about it. There's a problem. There's some persecution. And there's no root. They're easy in and easy out. I have a little dog. Her, her name is Gidget. And she's a lot of fun. I have two dogs. Bruiser, he's um, almost 14 years old. He's a Yorkshire Terrier. He's getting old. Can't see. Walks with a limp. You know, have you ever seen dogs? You know, they're not quite all there. But if you talk to them, they're like, still got it. Still got it. But they, they don't got it. They're walking all funky. I mean, I, I, I don't talk to animals in case you're wondering. But, um, I mean, you can just see it, right? And, and so Gidget is the fun when she's young. And so some, every once in a while I have this thought like, I'm going to play fetch with Gidget. Somebody like, come on, Gidget. Gidget, come on. Gidget, Gidget, you know, I do my little thing, and Gidget comes over, and she's all happy, and, you know, you can just see it on her face, her tail is wagging, like, really fast, and you can, I can see it in her eyes, she's like, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play, what do you want to do, what do you want to do, I want to play, how many have had, a, you know, you have a dog, you can just see it, and I pull out the little tennis ball, I'm like, we're going to play fetch, and you can just see it, she's like, uh, uh, yeah, yes, I want to play, I want to play, so I grab the ball, and I bring it up close to her mouth, and she'll be like, arr, arr, and we'll play around, and then comes the moment where I throw the ball. And I throw the ball, and, and we're going to play fetch. This is going to be fun. And she takes off. But she's one of those dogs when she takes off that her feet go like this for about 10 seconds. And then, boom, she's off. So she flies after that ball. She runs, and she grabs it with her mouth, and she op you know, opens her eyes, looks up at me, and her, ta her, whale is, her, whale, her tail is wagging. And I can see it. This is going to be so fun. And then her eyes go blank. And, and then Bruiser will walk by. And it's almost as if you could read her mind. You can see she's saying, now, wait a minute. I can, like, tire myself out running back and forth, going nowhere. Or I can follow Bruiser and lay in the sun and take a nap. <laughs> take a nap. Run around and get tired. Take a nap. I'm taking a nap. She drops the ball and she walks away. I don't think she's ever brought the ball back to me. <laughs> Since we've owned her. Never once. She's so easy to, to be all in, and in the next moment, she's so quick to be all out. And there's so many Christians, because they don't have a deep root, they're all in until the sun starts to shine. In fact, it's interesting, many people don't preach on this, but it says in there that when you read it, it says that they are experiencing problems and persecution for believing God's word. So I began to think about it. Let's make it practical. 
We're so quick to say, I love the Lord, I want to follow his principles, and then Monday we get to work, and and when we get to work, they're like, okay, we're doing our sales calls today, I want everyone to call, here's what we're going to do, and as you look at what you're supposed to do, it looks like you're being deceptive and not telling the truth, and something inside of you goes, well, wait a minute, that's not right, I'm a Christian, I should have integrity, but listen, if I do that, I might lose my job, and then I can't pay my bills, and we'll lose our house, and what am I supposed to do? And then before long, because our roots aren't deep, because we're being questioned and challenged on our belief in the word of God. God, we're all in, and then the next thing you know, we're all out. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. Or maybe you're younger, and you're, you're dating someone, and you know that it's supposed to be a relationship of purity. You're not supposed to be involved sexually. The Bible talks about that, and there's reasons for that. It's because God loves you. But what happens is just your friend or the person you're dating, they don't believe the way you do, and so they start questioning your belief in God's word, and like, well, listen, hey, we need to get to know each other. Listen, we're going to spend our life together. We need to, we need to have those experiences, and, and, and the next thing you know, your faith is being tested, or you're being persecuted, or you're being experiencing some pushback or some problems, and if you're not careful, you're all in, but because you're superficial or shallow, the next thing you know, you're all out. And then we wonder why the kingdom of God isn't productive. Because our receptivity is either a hard heart, a shallow heart, or let's look at the next one. How about a choked heart? What do you mean a choked heart? Well, let's look what Jesus said. The seed, this is the next one, the seed fell among the thorns, and it represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded or choked out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. See, in those days, what would happen when they would plant the seed is they would take the seed and they would broadcast the seed, right? Every year there were areas where there were weeds that grew. I'm here if have ever had weeds in the garden, right, or in flower beds. There's areas where the weeds pop up. So at the end of the season, what they would do is they would burn all the land, right, burn everything off, and then the next season they'd till everything. So it looks like the ground is good because the, the weeds have been burned away, but what they didn't realize was the roots of the weeds were still in the soil. And here's what happened. When they began to grow with the plants that began to grow, weeds and thorns began to grow. And they began to choke out. How did they choke out? Well, a couple ways. One was they began to eat up the nutrients in the soil that the flower or the plant needed. So instead of being able to thrive, the heart is being drained of its potential because of the weeds. Let me ask a question. What is the weed that's affecting your seed? And here's the thing you need to know about choking. I watched a movie the other day, and they were wrestling, and they did a choke-out move. And here's what's interesting. When you choke someone out, it's not instantaneous. It takes time. So let me say it this way. Thorns don't choke suddenly. Thorns choke subtly. And so what happens is, is in our life, our lives, the, the, the cares of this world, and we know what they are, one is the worries of life. The worries of life come along and they begin to slowly, subtly choke out the, the seed of God's word in us. 
We preached on worry just a few weeks ago. We start worrying about what's going to happen with our job or what's going to happen with that child, you know, what's going to happen with my health. And before long, what's happening is that these weeds and these worries now are sucking dry the, the heart, right, the ground of its nutrients rather than feeding the plant. Instead of feeding our faith, now we're feeding our fear. Instead of feeding our faith, we're now feeding our doubt. Instead of feeding our, our faith, what, we're feeding our sin, right? And so what happens is it slowly begins to choke out the life God's word and promises in our heart. Not only the worries of life, but then it goes on to say this. It says the lure of wealth. Now, I know as soon as I say that, here's the deal. Most people in this room watching online, you immediately discount and go, well, that's not me because I don't have a lot of it. I don't have a lot of wealth, Pastor Jared. I'm just paying my bills. Listen, I want to tell you something. That I've seen people that are more obsessed with money that don't have it as I do with people who do have it. In fact, I think the lure of wealth is one of the biggest things that is choking out the church in its productivity and effectiveness in the world. You say, well, Pastor Jerry, what do you mean? Can you give me an example? Well, how about this? We begin to get sucked into the lure of wealth. So here's what happens. We have a problem, and so what do we do? As soon as we have a problem, well, you know what? My son and my daughter are struggling in school. I'm going to take some money, and I'm going I'm to hire a tutor, and we're going to fix that problem. Or you get a diagnosis of sickness. Well, you know what? I know it's a big thing, but you know what? We're going to hire the best doctors. If we have to go outside of our network and pay more, we're going to spend what we need to spend, and we're going to get better. We're going to get healed up. So we hire the right doctors and the right medicine. Well, we've got problems in our marriage, but you know what? We're going to hire the best therapist there is out there. And here's what happens. We get sucked into the lure of money, and it slowly chokes. Instead of when we have a problem getting on our knees and trusting in God. Instead, we get out our wallet and trust in the lure of wealth. Because in America, it's about our money, and our money will take care of our problems. So instead of in God we trust, it's in green we trust. And what we don't realize is that slowly it begins to choke out our faith. Slowly it begins to, to withdraw the nutrients in the soil of our heart. Where now we're not people of faith anymore. Now we're not standing on the promises of God anymore. We're standing on our intellect or our ability to work hard or our company or our government or that retirement plan or that social security check. And instead of trusting in the Lord, we've been choked out by the lure of wealth and the worries of life. I heard a a statement by a pastor who was in the Soviet Union and he'd been persecuted back in the days when the USSR and communism was strong. And he made this statement. He said, in my experience, 95% of believers who face the test of adversity pass it. But it's also my experience that 95% of believers who face the test of prosperity fail it. Why? Because... If it's not a hardened heart, it's a shallow heart, or maybe it's a choked out heart. And the devil is slowly choking our faith. What weed is choking your seed? Jesus said, Matthew 16, 26, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? That's some good preaching. Somebody say Amen. I know it's a little tough. I know it's getting a little close to home. So everybody just take a deep breath. 
So we've learned some things that hinder productivity because our receptivity affects our productivity. Let's look at the last area where we begin to see productivity. How do we grow in the kingdom? How does it become alive? Well, we need to have an open heart. Everybody say an open heart. An open heart, we find in Matthew 13, Jesus explains, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. What I love about that is that when we have an open heart, when it falls on good ground, the seed, God's word, has the ability to multiply. You see, God wants you to be productive. In fact, we kind of dismiss this part of the kingdom. Do you realize what Jesus said? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you that you should produce fruit and that that fruit should remain. Did you know you're called to be productive? In fact, if we go to the very beginning of time, the first words that that God ever speaks out of his mouth to all mankind, you know what they are? Multiply and be fruitful. The kingdom of God is about being the soil that the word and the kingdom of God can grow in and through. And here's what God is wanting to do. He's wanting you to be productive, and here's why. Not so that you can have fruit just so you can eat it, but he's giving you fruit because in every piece of fruit are multiple seeds that can create other harvests. And there is a world out there in darkness. There is a world out there who is, that is starving, who needs to, to understand, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But the only way they're going to experience the kingdom is if the seed is growing in you. Because when the seed grows in you, you produce more seeds so that the world and the, the, this whole planet can be changed and exposed to the power and the grace and the goodness of God. What field... What harvest is waiting on your soil to receive the word? Let's end with this. There's a picture here I want to show you, and and this is called a sterilizer. And I want the worship team to come. If if you were, guys, leave this up for a second. If you were to um, start a business that, you know, it was kind of like a gardening service that provided a nursery that, that provided flowers. You've seen the trays with the little pieces of, you know, the little uh, squares of ground and the flowers are in it. How many have seen those? If you wanted to produce that, if you wanted to be able to give that, here's what you do. You would hire someone and one of your employees would do this. You would have them take a wheelbarrow out into the grounds. So say it's kind of a startup mom and pop shop. You would go out into the field and you would have that employee dig up a bunch of dirt, put it in the wheelbarrow. They would bring the dirt into the building and they would pour it into a sterilizer. When they poured it in the sterilizer, they would cover it and then they would plug it in and they would turn it on. And what the sterilizer did, does is it heats up the, the soil to over 200 degrees. And the reason that they do that is because when they heat it up to 200 degrees, it kills all of the thorns and all of the weeds and all of the things because here's what they don't want. They don't want you to buy a plant and then you put it in your garden and then weeds spread everywhere because they've contaminated your garden with bad seed. So by going into the sterilizer, the heat comes and it kills all of the things that ruin the, 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 the soil. And then the next step is you, you'd have that employee empty out the sterilizer 
create a pile of dirt. Then there would be a, tile, a, a, a pile of uh, peat moss, and a, depending on what you were planting, and a pile of perlite or perlite. And then you'd say, here's what you need to do. Take this bucket, put a little bit of soil, a little bit of you know, perlite, a little bit of this other, dump it in there, peat moss, mix it together so that it's soil that's ready to grow. And so when the soil that's been purified and then all mixed up and put in the little, you know, tin things and the little plastic trays, now when you plant the seed, it's going to grow. And what I think God is trying to do to create an open heart is, you know, the scriptures say, if we read in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, what does it say? It says this. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Maybe you need to pray the prayer in Psalm 139. When he says, search me, O God, and know my what? My heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Really, Jesus, when he started his ministry, that's kind of what he was doing. He started his ministry, and here's what he said. Repent and turn to God. Listen, deal with your heart. Because if you'll deal with your heart and let God come along and begin to turn up the heat and begin to purify some things and begin to change some things and you'll get the right mixture. You get the Holy Spirit and the Word and the presence of God and, and His grace all, all wrapped up in the soil of your heart and now you're open. You're not, you're not hardened anymore and you're, you're, you're not shallow anymore because the Word is growing you. The Spirit is growing you. And what happens? Now you begin to bear fruit like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faith, meekness, temperance against their, such there is. Listen, you begin to see the fruit grow. And here's the good thing. When you begin to grow, others now are able to protect, partake of the growth in your life. God is wanting the kingdom to grow. He's wanting it to expand. But you're the carrier of the seed. We have too many Christians that don't have any seed. The kingdom can't grow if there's no seed and no one to carry it. 